What's going on, coaches? Season is fast approaching. We've got our first scrimmage this week. Uh, we are really, really excited about it. Finally getting to get some pads and play some real football. So we're excited to get into that. Uh, if you guys need anything from us, uh, from the new videos Coach Walls has posted on our website to the podcast to merchandise, anything you guys need, you can find, as you know, over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full-year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we again talk with Alex Kirby. Coach Kirby is a special teams coordinator at Ben Davis High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. Listen as we talk with Coach Kirby about his latest offerings in the football information realm, including new defensive video series, 101 Oklahoma offensive plays, 101 red zone plays, 101 BYU plays, and 101 two-point plays. You can pick up your copies at throwdeeppublishing.com RTP or get it at throwdeeppublishing.com and use the code RTP20. You guys can follow Coach Kirby on Twitter at Alex J. Kirby. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, Coach, what I want to talk about, and 
And obviously you've already, you've released a ton of different things. So uh, you're going to have to, you know, almost introduce all the different things after I get done with this question, because uh, you've been a busy guy, coach. Um, but what sparked my interest the most, obviously, was uh, all the, the BYU book that you came out with. Um, uh, I, was, I was hooked as soon as you came out with it. I've watched um, a decent amount of their film, not all of it, but a decent amount because from what I've seen, they, they use multiple tight ends. Um, they look to get into some cool formations where they're running some some jet one way and outside zone the other, or they're motioning guys from wing sets, you know, over and back. And they're running obviously a lot of different wide zone. Um, am I far off from, from kind of the, the BYU offense? How do you see the BYU offense? I mean, you kind of nailed it. So I think I can just wrap it up with that and we can go on to the next question. Right. I think that's it. Um, you know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, one of the things, one of the things that got me interested in it, to begin with was, you know, I had initially started researching back in, you know, late November for the red zone playbook, uh, just trying to look at as many different teams as possible. And I kept going back to BYU because they did so many cool uh, formations and motions without running a ton of new plays. And that really, you know, if I had to, and I've talked about this a lot on, on Twitter before, that's pretty much like if I had to pick one, philosophy that's what speaks to me um, better better than pretty much anything else is is running a lot of different formations and motions uh, but keeping your schemes pretty cut down and that's what they did a really good job of uh, and that's that's kind of what led to me going deeper uh, uh, with them with the book and everything so obviously I, I would assume um, you know wide zone is kind of their play what are some things that you saw they do to protect that are they a big um, you know, naked team to protect wide zone? Are they, you know, you know, want to go inside zone off of what's, what's kind of their protection for wide zone, assuming that that kind of is their bread and butter play? Well, it definitely is their bread and butter. I mean, that is something that, you know, the, the OC at the time, Jeff Grimes, he's now at Baylor with Dave Aranda, but at the time uh, last year, he had talked about it and he said, you know, we can, we love it because we can run it against just about everything. You know, it's a very inexpensive concept for us and we can add so many different things onto it. And, and yeah, they're, they're a big naked team. Uh, they're a big jet motion team. You know, they're not necessarily going to hand that jet sweep off a ton, but they do it just enough so that you have to prepare for it, especially once you get into short yardage red zone uh, type of scenarios. And uh, that also comes into play when you talk about the wide zone, uh, excuse me, with the, with the H back coming across, um, you know, a lot of times you think about outside zone, wide zone, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to block that backside guy, right? Like you're, you're, you're hitting the hole so wide that that backside end or outside backer isn't really a concern. Right. Uh, but the reason they do it, one of the reasons they do it, it number one is to obviously, uh, create some hesitation uh, on the, in, on the defensive front when they, when that guy comes across, but also to set up all those naked boots and play actions and protection and things like that. And it works really well for them. Yeah. So uh, obviously um, you know, they use, so is that something they use a lot in the red zone? Is that motion play off of it? I mean, they have, it looks like a, a bunch of different similar plays. Uh, do they, so, so there's kind of a two part, is that something that sounds like they use a lot in the, in the, red zone and then do they use much um like hurry up to the ball after a big play because because I think of them as like a 
huddle up and get into these different formations and shifts and motions? Do they use any hurry up, get on the ball after a big play, or are they kind of far away from that? You know, I think like most college offenses these days, they have a little bit of that in the system, but they are uh, at the core you know, they, they use so many different formations. I feel like it's, it's kind of on a spectrum when you're talking about building a, an offense, you're either going to be one of those teams that lines up a bunch of different ways and causes the defense to really have to sit there and think about how they want to line up against you, or you're going to go really fast. Um, you, you can do both and they're, and these, and they're one of the teams that, that do both. However, they were, they're definitely more on the, you know, slow down, let's get lined up early in the play clock and move around a little bit and and see if we can get some people out of position and they definitely they definitely will use some some shifts and motions in the red zone especially get when you get inside the 10 uh you know we all know zach wilson was was a great athlete this past year and they definitely made use of him the closer they got to the goal line whether it's uh play action booting out or just involving him in some straight you know quarterback run game off of that jet motion actually the first play uh in in the book that i talked about was one of the uh they actually ran a counter uh, where quarterback counter play where, where Zach Wilson keeps the ball after faking to the Z receiver coming in jet motion. And that motion gets uh, gets one of their secondary members. Uh, one of, it was against Houston. And I've got timestamps of all these different plays in the book. So you can find each and every one of these on film if you want to oh, take another cool. look at it. Um, so basically they, it, he, it gets him to move one of the secondary guys out of the way and creates a big, uh, big hole to the open side of the formation. So um, yeah, obviously everything is a week by week thing. I mean, you guys know the different defenses respond to different motions differently, right? Like they're, you're, they're going to have different adjusters. They're going to respond differently to uh, specific shifts in motion. So that you take that into account, but the closer you get to the goal line, obviously uh, you know, that you, the more you want to have that athletic quarterback and they definitely did. And, and they made a lot, they made big use of Zach Wilson uh, in the run and pass game when it, when it got down to this area of the field. So when you talk about that jet motion coach um, and here's probably two questions that you may not be able to answer, but uh, I just want to pick your brain on it a little bit. Um, so when they talk about the jet motion um, and, and I first saw it like when, with, with Pitt, Pitt did it a bunch jet motion and, you know, handoff outside zone away and jet motion one way. And then they'd have like the tight end wing go with the jet motion, but the wide zone go the other way. I could never tell if it was like predetermined or if they're actually letting their quarterback read it, is that something that can you tell if, if they're kind of letting him read that jet motion? And then my other question with that, and it's a little bit different is to me, wide zone. The cool part about it is it's really easy to check and go, Hey, we want to kill wide zone left and go wide zone, right? Because it's still just wide zone. And if you find certain numbers and teach it correctly, and that's one of your big plays, it's really easy to make that decision. So did it look like, again, I don't know that you can answer this. Did it look like to you that they were killing some things going from, Hey, something this direction to another direction or killing from one play to the next? Um, you know, that's really good. There's two really good questions. I mean, as far as killing and, and picking a side in the wide zone game, I didn't really see a ton of that. Didn't really see a ton of, of, you know, uh, checking at the line and, and moving guys around necessarily. They did a little bit of it, but I, I wouldn't say that it was a huge part of what they did. Um, especially, you know, they didn't really have a ton of what I would call what you'd call balanced formations. You know, they use a lot of 12 personnel, obviously, mm -hmm. Um, 
but I didn't see a lot of that where, you know, he's either looking to the sideline or he's, you know, walking around chatting with the offensive line, telling them, Hey, we're going this way. We're going that way. I didn't see that. Um, and again, obviously this is full, dis- full disclaimer. This is obviously just based on what I saw. I don't know what they're telling them uh, week to week, but I did not see anything that led me to believe that they were checking a whole lot. They might've done it a few times, but I didn't see a big part of it. Uh, and the same thing with the jet motion. I know certain teams have a little bit of that. They have maybe a play. I know, um, James Light posted something on Twitter a couple of weeks ago where Clemson had a play like that, where they were uh, Trevor Lawrence would read, you know, the, how the defense reacted to the motion and he would either give it or, or take it um, out of the gun. I didn't, I didn't really see anything like that. Uh, it, it's, it's such a, it, the jet is such a big part of what they do naturally um, they may have experimented with it, but I think moving that guy around and having the ability to, uh, for him to uh, go in motion one way, then pivot and come back the other way quickly before the ball's even snapped and they can do all kinds of misdirection movements with him. That by itself is annoying enough for a defense before you even get into, is he reading a, the the pursuit of one guy or another? I, I So the, the short answer to both of those questions is, uh, I don't know, but I would say probably not. They did not really strike me as as a team that is making a lot of decisions pre-snap at the line. They they feel really confident in getting into a couple of formations and, and getting into shifts and motions to put themselves in a really good numbers uh, advantage. And they're running wide zone. So at the end of the day, you don't have to you don't have to have a perfect look with wide zone, right? Like you can just you can just go and get what you get and live to uh, to fight another down. Coach, you got to watch a ton of Wilson and. You know, kind of wanted to just pick your brain on on maybe your thoughts of him. You know, how how well does his game translate to the NFL? Um, obviously, kind of kind of really exploded on the scene. There's, that's probably why a lot of people are you know maybe questioning a little bit. Hey, the the level of competition that he played against. Did he do it in a bunch of games? And again, to me, there's no you know exact formula for for applying a, a quarterback to the NFL, but what are some traits that you saw that are like, Hey man, that really justifies the jets taking him that early. Well, I I'm first going to say that this is one thing I never really get into on, on, especially on Twitter because around draft season, everybody's an expert and everybody has a really strong opinion and you're going to be wrong no matter who you talk to, because you know, I it's, I, I am not a quarterback evaluation guru like a lot of guys uh, supposedly are online and I don't pretend to be one. I did, I, I did, uh, I did like a lot of things that I saw. Um, I, I think he definitely, he definitely has the ability to make something happen when the play breaks down. Uh, he obviously, I think he's got, I think he's got a little bit of an arm strength issue. Uh, or if you want to put it another way on, on some of the, on some of the deeper passes, that ball tends to hang up there a little bit. So that's going to be a challenge, I think for him and that jets coaching staff to, to get that fixed. You know, they ran a ton of, uh, mesh into the boundary with that, with that single receiver running a square out to the field. Um, and, and those air raid guys, you know, that's that square out is, is usually the first read right that against most looks. And so he's going to, he threw that a ton. Uh, last year and it wasn't always the prettiest ball I'll, I'll just say that but again you know I, I'm not a I, th- I think a good coach can build a system around the kind of quarterback that you have um, would I have taken him second overall eh, 
probably not. But again, I don't know what exactly they're, they're planning on doing with him. I think you can win with him though, as long as you put him in good situations and, and who knows, right? Like nobody really knows. That's what, that's the other thing. Nobody really knows anything about that position as far as evaluating it. I don't care who you talk to or who, who they say that they know if Ron Wolf doesn't know, then you and I don't know that that's what I would say. So I think he has a lot of good traits, but um, time will tell just like anything else. Andy's going to the jets. That that's <laughs> to me, to me, that's the biggest part of the evaluation. So, that sucks that he's going to the jets, man. That's the toughest yeah. part. Cause you look at a guy like uh, Stafford over in, in with the lions. I mean, he, to me, he's an unbelievable quarterback, but what, they haven't done anything with the lions. So you don't really hear about him now. Luckily he's with, with the Rams and that'll be, uh, it'll be exciting. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's, there's so many variables when it comes down to it. I mean, if, if he, let's say, God forbid, you know, he, he tweaks his ankle in training camp because somebody uh, steps on it when he's, as he's stepping back from center in the middle of a play and that kind of hinders his development and, and maybe he has to sit out a few weeks and something happens, you know, there's so many variables at that level of football, especially nobody really knows until, until you put the pads on until you get out there in a real game and you know, you, you got guys wanting to knock your head off. Um, that that's, that's my position. I've never pretended to know, say that this guy is a definite, you know, this guy's will or will not work. That's, that's somebody else's business. That's not really what I'm into. Uh, and I don't, uh, uh, first of all, I'm not qualified, so I'm just not going to pretend to, to be that guy, but I, I do think he has some, a lot of positive traits. It really just depends on what you put around him and, and let's see what the jets coaching staff actually does with him. Coach, so I'm I'm curious. Obviously, I've we've talked a lot of, of wide zone with BYU, but again, to me, the the best compliment or one of the big compliments off that is boot or play action naked. You know, naked. I guess you know specifically. But um, did they have a, a lot of different variations off of their naked? Uh, watching the NFL, you know, that's a that's a a really big thing. It seems those wide zone teams like the Rams, like the Titans. They've all got a lot of different variations of naked as far as how they're getting out, you know, especially out of like bunch formations. Did you see a lot of, uh, of variations off of naked um, for BYU? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, when you run the, the amount of motion that they do in shifting, especially again, we're talking about a team that runs a ton of jet motion. So on the perimeter, you gotta have, you gotta have your guys ready to go and lined up properly. Otherwise they'll, they'll, whether they're predetermining it or not, they're going to hand that ball off around the edge and you're going to get gashed. So you have to be, you have to be sound against that on the edge. And so naturally they're going to exploit that. I mean, um, I've actually got the the book pulled up here, play 37. Um, this is one of my favorite ones just because it's there. You're talking about, they've got a tight end, uh, a, a nub tight end with three receivers uh, lined up to the field, to nub tight into the boundary. And there, the uh, Zach Wilson is actually running what I would, what I describe basically like a token fake, um, you know, where he's not really carrying out any kind of mesh with the back, but because the back is crossing his face, you know, you kind of have to respect it just a tiny bit as a, uh, as a defender. So the back is getting out into the flat to the short side of the field with the tight end running a corner. They're at the, uh, they're at the 11 yard line. And that's something you're, that you see a lot because it, it, it's basically kind of a half boot, half sprout, and it gets him to the edge really, really quickly. And 
you know, that's the oldest RPO in the book, right? Like it, it's either there or it's not. And if it's not there, you, you know, you take off with it and run. Um, and that's just one example. And like we were talking about earlier, you know, bringing the H back across to the backside, right. Uh, off that wide zone. I mean, that's, that's as old school as it gets, right. Where that H back sneaks off into the flat mm-hmm. and you got the tight end dragon behind him. And then the, the next step to that is something I actually sent out an email to my list about this a couple of months ago when I was still researching the book, but you know, that follow concept where you have the H back coming across and then you've got that second route coming uh-huh. across underneath. And, you know, the thing that, that, that struck me about that. And I mentioned this in the book and in, and in the original email, you know, you can't run that against a bad defense. You can't run that against a, a defender who doesn't know what he's supposed to do because that really punishes guys who think. And what I mean by that is, you know, every linebacker, you know, when you get to be a certain, when you get to be good enough, and especially at the college level, you start to see that boot develop. You see the flat route underneath. What do you do, right? You look for the, the drag route coming across behind you because you just, you've seen that a million times in a game in practice. Well, what this play does is while that guy is turning around, looking to find the drag route, they're going to sneak another guy where uh, out underneath where, where that original flat route came from. So now you're, you're really putting a lot of stress on that defender and it just makes his life miserable. So they've got a, a lot of wrinkles that are just a natural extension of what they already do. Um, it's a little bit of that wing T philosophy right? Like where you just kind of want to make everything in the backfield look very similar until the last minute, which, uh, you know, I know, I know a lot of high school guys, whether or not you actually run the wing tee, I think a lot of, I think a lot of guys still want to aim for something like that. And and that's another reason why uh, I really like this scheme is it, it just, everything looks so similar until the last second. I love that. I was going to touch on that. Those are two of my favorite variations of, of, a you know, of naked is, what the guy at the Rams, I think, called was their late down flat, which was fullbacks out in the flat. Now tight ends blocking like a slam or a down flat, but way longer. And then he just kind of leaks out to the flat slash wherever the defense escapes. And for the, you know, the Rams that year, it was, you know, they had some really big plays off of it because that tight end was really heady and he let the defense escape. And then he was kind of like the, he was like their number four, but he got to go kind of wherever he needed to drift to wherever it was open and and they hit some big plays off of it. And then, like you said, and I was curious how you, what you called that, because here for about a year, I've been telling everyone that'll listen to me about that, that boot concept because the NFL does it so much on, on short yardage or goal line where they fake that tailback to the boundary. And then the tailback goes out to the boundary flat. And like you said, that tight end runs a corner. And, and yeah, it's not like a true naked fake. It's like the tailback never even gets close enough to, to get to the ball, but they are faking it that way and they're booting it that way. Um, almost kind of like power pass, but it's not, you know, not power pass. It, it, it looks like outside zone, but he's just setting up right over there. What did you, what did you end up calling that? Or in any of your research, did you find a name for that? Because uh, I, I love that play. Uh, I think you're, you're talking about the first one where it's, I, I think I called it, uh, I, let me pull it up here. I actually have it on the computer in front of me. Uh, yeah, that was the, that was the token boot, uh, play 37. Token boot. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna spend time on the mesh. You're not going to sit there and really ride it. You're not even really getting that close to the back, but you're, you're taking the snap and you're kind of freezing there for a second and putting, and putting your eyes 
to the opposite side long enough to really get that secondary to at least hesitate. And then that times up and allows the back and the tight end to get out into the route. And you're getting into the short end of the short edge of the field into the boundary, uh, which is Whoa. another thing, by the way, that's an, uh, you know, I am, I, I think the boundary passing game, especially at, especially at the high school level, but even still at the, at the college level, it's such a underappreciated part of the game. Uh, especially if you're talking about, you know, getting an, a younger and more inexperienced quarterback, uh, some, some high percentage throws. Uh, that is like when that's one of the first things that I look at when I, when I start looking at an offense, like how do they really deal with the boundary and, and BYU does a ton of, they have a, they have a lot of different ways to attack the short side of the field, because realistically, if you're talking about the boundary passing game, what are you going to get? Well, first of all, it's, usually, you know, it's almost certainly going to be the shortest throw you can make right to whoever is in that, to the short side of the field, you're usually going to be plus one because most defenses are, are going to uh, set themselves, uh, set their strength to the field, right? At least a lot of them are, I know some, some are more balanced, but at the very least, you're not going to be outnumbered to the, to the short side of the field. Um, and, and like I said, it's such an easy throw and catch, especially if you're talking about boundary hitch or whatever you, whatever you want to do. And it's a great confidence builder. Like to me, if I'm a play caller, you're not going to, I'm not just going to give that up without a good reason. Like you're, I'm not going to just cede the short side of the field to the, to the defense without you at least either putting some of your better players to that side, to that side of the field or rotating the coverage that way or doing something to take it away. Because I mean, that's a gimme that should be a gimme uh, for a good, uh, for a good offense and for a good passing game. So my last question, Coach, with BYU really is is about, you know, those shot plays um, and, and a specifically off of, like I said, wide zone. Um, what I've seen a lot in the NFL is, you know, it seems like they're now doing a – and maybe it's always been done this way, but those wide zone teams are, are almost showing like a wide zone or a tight zone look, but they have the tight end and the wing – or just the tight end, but most of the time when they want to really protect it, they have the tight end wing kind of go opposite of outside zone or stay on the backside. They have the, the quarterback show wide zone and then kind of pull up back behind the guard. Um, it, is, is that how the majority of the time BYU uh, protected their shot plays? Uh, or, or, or did you see something else? Or did you not, you know, look into it that heavily I know that's a weird question but I see that in the NFL so many times and we tried it a little bit last year and it was actually a, a pretty good protection for us obviously you're only getting two guys out into the route so you've got to be pretty confident with that but um, just kind of curious what you saw as far as uh, what they like to do protection wise when they wanted to take shots off play action well yeah I mean they they have a couple different ways to do it I'm looking right now um specifically at play 73 in the book uh they they started with uh they they started with basically like you said keeping basically everybody in protection uh except those two guys the x and the z so you got a two by two 12 personnel the h back is off the x is on um and it's basically their play action faking wide zone with that h back coming across and, and just whamming the opposite end man on the line of scrimmage so you have you have a seven man protection uh, excuse me, eight man protection, really. And, and I think it really, they basically run what I'd call a, a corner post with the Z to the short side of the field and the X, it was, it wasn't quite a post corner. I, you know, I, 
I, I I've asked some people about this where he's, he's, he breaks in at 10 to the post. And then at 15, he kind of uh, circles back out. A lot of people I've, I've talked to have called that a burst route. Uh, you see it occasionally, especially at the NFL level, but that was just one example. I think that that's an example of something that would work well against a quarters type defense where those safeties are going to have to get up and get more involved. So you're really putting stress on the corners. Now they have run a lot of shot plays, especially once again, to the boundary. That's a big part of what they do. And they, uh, they actually get quite a few more guys out in the pass route. So for example, they'll put trips into the boundary and bring a short, bring a receiver in short motion. And all of a sudden you have three guys uh, getting out into the route outside the hash marks uh, where they're faking wide zone one way. And, and it's not quite, he's not booting around where he's, it's a naked where he's trying to get out of the pocket, but he's definitely uh, kind of pivoting and reversing out all the way and, and, and looking for that open guy where he's looking at basically you have uh, two vertical routes and maybe a guy underneath where they're flooding just that third of the field. So it's really dangerous and they, they just have so many ways to do it. That's, that's the bottom line. They, they run one scheme for the most part. I mean, they, they run more than that, but the majority of it is, is some form of wide zone, but they spend so much time getting good at that, that they have so many wrinkles and, and backfield actions off of it. It really just fits in perfectly with everything that they do. So they don't have to add a bunch of new plays or new movements because they already have it uh, in their repertoire, the quarterback, backs, everybody else has gotten used to it. I think it's going to be interesting, too, to see how much of that gets carried over to Baylor and now bringing it to the to the Big 12, you know, with Coach Grimes. Uh, the O-line coach also is down there as well. So I'm pretty anxious to see and, and you know, obviously fitting with a guy like Coach Aranda, uh, seeing kind of how, how they piece this together. You know, it's it's kind of funny to see the evolution of Baylor, you know, going from the, the Art Brile schemes to – you know, what rule and then we're doing and, and now maybe even kind of, you know, flipping the script again. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think looking at this scheme, I think they do a lot of things structurally that just force defensive coordinators to, uh, to really stop and think and have to have to draw up a whole lot of different scout cards to make sure you got everything fit properly. You know, for example, the, uh, another thing that they do a lot of uh, which which I really love, and this is another thing that really got me into the scheme was uh, flipping the back from one side to the other pre-snap. If you're if you're just in a one back gun look, and you're flipping that back from one side to the other, I think we talked about this the last time I was on. Um, kind of some of the very simple things you can do to really uh, make life miserable for defensive coordinators. I think there's something to that. You know, Coach Aranda looks at that just from a structural fundamental basis of all the little things that they do to make life difficult. And he's like, I know how hard this is to prepare for. So I want that guy working for me. Uh, so I don't have to game plan against him. And hopefully he makes life difficult for the rest of the guys in the big 12. Coach kind of moving on. And, and, and you talk about that. And we had a guy, we have a, a guy, coach Snyder and Bigsby in Oklahoma. That's won like five, of the last six state championships and six, a division two. And they do it almost every play some type of way to flip them back into pistol, go from pistol to one side, go from one side gun to the other. And, and you're exactly right, especially with how many times defenses like to pick up, okay, tailback's on this side. He's to the tight end. He's not, we're going to do this. or We're going to bring this blitz or this is the, what they're going to run. Well, and they flip right with snap. Uh, it, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. So um, yeah, we've, I've tried to, I've wanted to steal that from them for a long time. Um, 
Also, right, you've got a book coming out, and it's about uh, red zone plays, if we can shift gears. Um, and tell me if I'm incorrect. Like I said, you've had so many things going on, Coach. I don't want to misspeak. But um, one of my favorite formations right now I'm kind of I've, – I've fallen in love with is, is that tight bunch, uh, especially in the red zone. Again, watching all the wide zone type teams um, in the NFL – and it seems to be one of their, you know, top formations that they run, it seems like, is they get within the 10 or, you know, within the five even, they're going to get in some type of a bunch, like a tight end bunch, whether it's two big guys in the bunch or three big guys, or they're going to go bunch to one side, a tight bunch with like maybe three receivers or one tight end, two receivers, and then the other side, they're going to actually have a real tight end, you know, a tight end on that side as well. How much um, – bunch formation plays or what are some of the top ones maybe that you saw uh, in your other book about red zone plays? Yeah. Well, first of all, the red zone book is out. It's not coming out. It is out. Um, so you can get, you can get that, you know, throw deep but yeah, you're right. I mean, bunch bunches is, is one of the things that again, I love because it just, it forces you to really play really disciplined with your alignments on defense. You know, I've spent a lot of time working on the defensive side of the ball. I'm an offensive guy at heart, always will be, uh, but I've spent a lot of time on the defensive side of the ball. So I've, I've really gotten a good, uh, a, more of a good feel for what defensive coordinators have to spend their time on. Uh, and that's one of the things, you know, we, we all know when we're coaching high school kids, they don't think that that extra step or uh, extra half yard of alignment inside or outside of a guy is a big deal, but we know it is because leverage is the name of the game, right? So if you can create some, some good matchups there where, where a guy is, is maybe not aligned perfectly and you can take advantage of that, that's where the bunch comes in. And that's where, that's what I like about it. But, you know, looking at the, the red zone book, you know, I'm looking at one bunch play here, play 49, you know, uh, Kansas State last year against Texas ran a pretty good, what I would call a follow route, where you have uh, number two, the point man going vertical, running a corner, uh, the outside guy running in, and then the inside guy basically uh, running what some people would call the jerk route, right, where he's going to pretend to go outside and then follow right back behind uh, the the number one. So that's that's one of my favorite red zone concepts. Uh, it, it uh, you know, our offense runs that. And I know uh, a lot of other offense does too. Uh, offenses do too. It's, it's one of my favorite. I, I will tell you um, that was the cool thing about putting this book together is, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, what's your favorite red zone play? Well, I like all of them because I got to basically sit there and, and pick out 101 of my favorites. Uh, I will tell you though, there are a couple of ones that, that stuck out to me as, as I was kind of preparing for this uh, play 19. Uh, IU did something really cool. It was basically they uh, they started where they motioned an H back into the formation to the short side of the field, and basically had him stay in protection for about a second or two, and then uh, delayed release into the middle of the coverage where that Mike linebacker used to be. Um, so it was basically running everybody running everybody off and letting him delay uh, against Rutgers. It was uh, 4:35 in the third quarter. So again, this one is time stamped as well. So if you want to, if you want to go find the the clips on YouTube, or if you got film on these teams, you can easily find this stuff. But that was that was uh, that was pretty cool because you don't always get the opportunity, especially the closer you get to the goal line, to stretch the coverage deep, um, and and that's why a lot of these defenders are even more aggressive on trying to take away 
those uh, those seam routes down the field. So that was one one play I really enjoyed. And then actually the very next play, play twenty, Liberty does a lot of cool stuff. As I'm sure you know, you know Hugh Freeze is a is a genius when it comes to offensive football. But they they had a uh, they had a tempo one of their one word calls where they lined up really quickly after a big play against Southern Miss and basically lined up in kind of an unbalanced quads look. And it was, it was basically a really easy read for the quarterback where they were either going to throw that now screen out there to the quad side. Uh, and if the defense lined up everybody and had it covered, he was going to take off up the middle and the, the tailback is going to lead up there. So it was basically like a quarterback ISO slash now screen RPO. And it's just simple stuff like that. Um, you don't have to get too fancy with it. It's, it's, you know, it's numbers, uh, leverage, uh, leverage and matchups, right? That's, that's what football is all about. And so that's one of the cool things that I really like putting this book together. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just talking, you know, we're just touching on the nakeds that we'd, we'd been talking about. There's, there's just so many different ways out of that bunch. I think that, that you can, you can get to nakeds and, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, just to be, Frank, why I really, really liked, I think you can do so many things to mismatch in the run game. Um, and then if the run game's not there, uh, you, you go to some play action passes, some nakeds. And with that bunch, you can really play around with who's out first or who's out second. Like you said, you can run a delay. You can keep one of them in and the other two out. There's just, there's so many different things that you can do with that. Um, you can, you know, like you said, run that little, token fake boot uh it's it's a really it's a cool deal so obviously you're looking at plays coach but but looking at plays in the red zone I'm sure you're also start seeing you know a little bit of a trend did you notice any trends with teams that were successful in the red zone uh consistently as opposed to teams that maybe weren't I know again that's not what you were looking for but just curious if maybe anything jumped out at you uh, as you're watching all this film that you're watching well, I think the biggest thing is is the most obvious thing, right? Like you have to make use of the space that you have. And so, you know, when we're installing, as a coach, when you're installing your base offense, you know, you're usually thinking about it in the context of, hey, I'm at the minus 40. I get all this green grass in front of me. I'm not worried about hitting, you know, running into the goalpost necessarily when I'm installing my, my base offense. But I think the closer you get to that goal line, you have to, you have to start being a little bit more creative if, if, if that's not a big part of what you do, if you don't necessarily have a ton of shifts and motions or you don't necessarily have a, a ton of, uh, you know, gadget plays gets a, you know, that's gets a, a bad rap, but for lack of a better term, gadget plays. I mean, especially when you're talking about playing against equal or even greater talent, you've got to give them something that they may not have, have prepared for. And, and that's something that, you know, a lot of these teams, they'll, they'll maybe have a, a gadget play or they'll have an unusual formation or they'll, um, you know, I liked, uh, for example, Lane Kiffin is as good as anybody else. He's got, I've got a few old Miss plays in the book. You know, one of them, they're, they're inside the five. I believe it was a two point conversion. Um, and basically that, that receiver goes in motion uh, from one side of the formation to the other then starts to pivot back and return. And then once he, once he starts to get to the quarterback, he then reverses course again and sprints out to the flat. And they basically try to create a rub and get him free. And that is so hard to defend. Uh, if, even if you're a really good defensive back. So, but you don't see that kind of stuff usually in other parts of the field. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. You have to have some, you have to have a few special plays unless you're just 
that much better, better than the team that you're playing, I guess it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing a, a quality opponent or even somebody who's that much better than you, you, you can't just hand necessarily hand off the ball up the middle just because you're at the one yard line. You've got to be able to do other things. That was one of the things I was actually just going to ask. I mean, you, you talk about two point plays. I, I feel like that's like the, the benefit, you know, if, if somebody's looking for like one reason to buy, you know, the 101 red zone plays, it's like, dude, seriously, how many like two point plays are you going to need, you know, during the course of a season? I, I can just sit there and think, you know, Hey, there's so many times I get into a game where I wish I would have had more. And, and to me, obviously you're going to have two or three that you probably put in every single year, but it's pretty awesome to be able to, to sit there and all of a sudden now, Hey, I found five, six, eight, ten, whatever it might be, things that I could put into the bank. And, you know, and, and once I use something and I put it on film, now I can just plug this next one in. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's really what my intention was. I mean, I, like you said, you know, we, we all have, we all have kind of the ones that whatever, whatever we have in our playbook, right. We all have our favorite ones that we've, we've got and those work. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't keep them in the playbook, but it's, I really, I like watching film and I like putting cutups together. And to me, this is kind of the next best thing. Like hopefully guys will look at this and say, Hey, um, we need a two point play or we needed it. We need something new this week. Uh, let, let me open up the book and see if there's anything interesting in there that fits in with what we do. And, and if, and if that's the case, then I will, I will consider it a success. I will say also, by the way, that I'm, I'm working on a, a two point play specific book, as well as a, a couple of different trick play books. I know I've mentioned that a little bit on social media, but it's for the same reason. I mean, I, I would love to, for guys to be able to kind of consider it a resource and just be like, Hey, I, I need something new this week. I wonder if there's anything in here that could help us uh, score a few more points this game. So coach and, and, uh, maybe this is a good one for walls as well, but, but coach Kirby, what is your, what's your thoughts on, on, and now getting away from the book a little, but what's your thoughts on, on practicing for red zone? I mean, is that something that needs to be, I mean, just what, as a, you know, as an offense or even a defense, whatever the case, obviously we've already talked about, it's really, really important. What does that, what does that look like in practice? You know, obviously you got to spend time on it, but more important than the time necessarily is, first of all, I think it all starts with your preparation as a coaching staff and, and understanding, hey, does this team, uh, whether it's an offense or defense, do they change at all when they get either when they start to creep into field goal range? And then as you start to get closer inside the 20 to the 10, um, do, do they change their approach at all? And if so, um, you need to make that clear to the kids, not, not necessarily have them memorize a bunch of plays and scout cards. Uh, we'd all love to think that that's the case. It doesn't usually work out that way where kids are going to memorize their scouting report uh, and every little detail like you would want them to. Um, but general principles like, Hey, they really like this guy in the red zone, or they really like this route. Uh, once they get inside the five, if they're going to throw the ball or just big picture stuff like this, you know, I was talking to our defensive coordinator th the other day and, and I brought up this topic, you know, of just, you know, we were just talking about different ways to get guys prepared. And, you know, he said something, uh, Russ Sumner, who's, who's one of the best coaches I've ever been around because he has a real great ability to simplify everything and make things, uh, really obvious. Even when he's talking about complicated things. 
he, he says, you know, kids neither need or want all the information that, that you're going to collect over the course of, of a couple of days, putting a scouting report together. They're, they just, they don't need it. And they don't, they definitely don't want it. At least most of them don't. So that kind of, you know, that, that was a really um, profound thing. I, I mean, it seems obvious, but it really cleared up in my head, kind of the approach that you got to take. So I think you spend a little bit more time with, with maybe your older players, especially your key players on whatever side of the ball you're working on and kind of share with them the themes of the week, what you're trying to get across. And also, you know, a couple of things to look out for. Um, and then at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to your preparation and making sure that you put them in the position to be able to make those plays. I always liked having it, you know, a, a certain day is just kind of, you know, emphasis. We would usually do it on Wednesday. It, it maybe chops down a little bit of, you know, your running after you've kind of practiced hard on Monday and Tuesday has kind of been how we've done it. Um, and then as a pass game guy, a receiver guy, a QB guy, whatever it might be, um, this, this was always something I felt like you could do during special teams. So we would have our, our routes, you know, like you, you'd been explaining the, the rub plays and whatnot out a bunch, you know, you only need to have a couple of guys or I can hop in there and you're just working the timing with the QB and, and those couple of receivers that might not be on special teams, uh, working some double moves, you know, some stick and go stuff, you know, the, the rub plays you might be running. Uh, with that that special motion like you're talking with with coach Kiffin you don't have to have the old, whole offense down there to, to do those things um, I always felt like you could steal a lot of good red zone time during special teams uh, or during even some of those teach periods when you're only going to have to have three or four guys and then um, like we'd said before if you're not using those plays every week it's something you know we practice in the fall we practice you know week one week two as, as we're not using it we're just kind of polishing it and then when we need to, to, to pull it out and pop it and use it, then we'll have it available. You know, when you're, you're playing teams that you're beaten by 40 points anyway, you know, you're probably just canning it off blindly and not worrying about it. But, you know, I, I was always one of those coordinators, I guess, that I was trying to build plays and, and execute those plays for, you know, the, the unions that we had to beat or the broken arrows we had to beat or, you know, the dowlings that we have to beat, just knowing that we're going to probably have to throw the ball inside the the 10 because we're not just gonna be able to turn around and hand it off and run right through these great defenses with really good defensive coordinators and really good players well coach Kirby we also you know we we've talked and we've seen it out there and and again I don't know that I necessarily fully understand but I know you've also worked on um some video courses as well you know you're obviously doing all of these different books and and we've got to see a vast majority of them and um, and they're awesome, but you're also either branching out or you've, you've already done some before. Um, again, like I said, you got so much stuff going on coach. I don't know how you keep up with it. Uh, but, um, you're also working through some videos as well. Talk to us about that a little bit. What, what, what made you decide to, to go with video? Um, how has that worked for you and, and what all are you working on with that? Well, it's been a goal of mine for a while. I mean, ever since I kind of became active again, quote unquote, on social media. That was, that was my eventual goal. Um, you know, I worked in the past, you know, five, six years, I worked for a couple of the, the, uh, companies in this space who, who produce content and, and, uh, I had good experiences, but like any job that you do, right. Like you take notes in your head, here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's what I would do if, if I ran the operation. Um, and, and, you know, I saw a need, uh, for when I worked for those guys for, for a couple of different things. The first thing I saw was, 
you know, and again, this is not a blanket statement. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody, so I don't want to to get twisted like that. But you know, there's a lot of companies that that may not necessarily know how to market each individual product that they have. So for example, if, if you're a coach and you, and you go to one of these uh, other companies uh, who, who might be a bigger operation, they've got so many other products, it, you know, it doesn't really matter to them as much whether your particular book or video does well, if that makes sense. Um, not that they're not even trying to do it, but they've got such a big catalog that it, it often gets lost in the cracks. And I saw that happen a whole lot. And the other side of it is too, um, because those companies don't know, may not market things as successfully. Uh, it, if it oftentimes falls on the coach to do that. And, you know, most of these guys are teachers. They've got families. They, they don't necessarily like, they didn't sign up to be salesmen, right? Like that's not what they're in this to do. Uh, for most people anyway, like they, it's, it's trying, trying to promote a video course or promote a book is, is not as simple as just putting it online. It's, it's definitely not. And anybody who's ever done it can tell you that. Um, and, and frankly, some coaches who have a lot of great information to share, they may not be aware of the best way to organize it or put it together. So there's so many, there's so much nuance when you do this type of thing that I kind of wanted to find guys who I knew knew their stuff, um, could could put together some quality information and kind of wanted to just help them out and uh, kind and number one help them out, but also put together something quality that um, you know was really as good as anything else you'd find out there. Um, so. That, that's kind of what I've been wanting to do for a while. I, I've just started to do it um, the last couple of months, and I'm not going to get into necessarily all the guys that, that I'm working with at the moment because things are, things are still being worked on and, and not necessarily finalized with all these guys, but you're going to see more of this as it, as it comes out over the next couple of weeks and months. But I, I'm really excited, and I think that the guys that I'm working with, um, uh, frankly, they're, they're – they're going to have a really good experience. And I think a lot of the people who, who actually find this and, and pull up these products as, as the weeks and months go forward, I think they're going to be pretty, pretty satisfied about the, the type and quality of information they're going to get. So coach, how do you keep from, I know you're helping, you know, you're helping these guys out. And, and like you said, the bigger thing you get into, I guess the more help you have or the, or the, the more you don't have to figure things out, you just get to do the football. But the bigger something gets, like you said, they're not necessarily as worried about pushing one single thing. They've got a whole company to worry about. They're trying to push everything, and, and they don't really, you know, like you said, not a bad thing. It's just kind of how it goes. Obviously, probably the more successful your videos get, the more coaches will want to kind of work with you. How have, have you thought about how you're going to keep that to where you don't become, because I'm sure you want it to be as big as it can because you reach more and more people, but obviously you also don't want to be so big that now you lose track of, of different people that you're working on. H have you kind of thought about how you're going to, to go about doing that? Boy, that's, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I don't like to uh, think in necessarily huge hypotheticals like that, <laughs> but, but I will say that, um, like everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. And one thing that I've really tried to do is not tried to do everything. 
uh, you know, if, if that makes sense. So like, I think a lot of guys, and I'm talking about individual guys who have followings on in this space and who do a lot of good stuff. I think the trap that you fall into sometimes is you try to do everything. You try to have a podcast, you try to be on YouTube, you try to put out 25 tweets a day and write an email every single day. And you try to do all these different things. And there's nothing wrong with that if you can keep that up. But, um, I think if you focus on what you're good at and you try to limit and try to pick up, pick your battles basically wisely. I, I think that can kind of help, but to be honest with you, I'm, I'm nowhere near that stage yet. So uh, if I have the, if I have that issue, that's, that's going to be far, far down the road. Um, and, and, and I'll certainly deal with that uh, when it comes, but I, I am nowhere near <laughs> to the point where I'm so successful that I don't have time for anybody. That's, that's not, uh, that's not anywhere near where I'm at yet. Coach, as many books as you've sold, Coach, I think that uh, it, it's hard to even keep track of that uh, now, especially with all these other books. Uh, it's it's a good problem to have. Well, you know, we kind of decided to to kind of go in and do our own personal thing as well. You know, with the podcast, we decided not to, you know, send that out. And there's obviously there's a lot of different, um, you know, f- coaching or whatever football. I don't remember what they call it, but podcasts where they, they host a bunch of different podcasts all through one form. Um, and, and that would have made it easier on us. And we kind of decided to go and figure it out on all our own. And I, we, neither of us really knew much about anything technology wise, but we were willing to kind of learn it uh, in the off season. And so we kind of did that. And then we've got our own website, which has a bunch of different videos and decided to go with a monthly subscription instead of selling our things individually. And, and we kind of had, as you know, I'm sure, had a lot of different opportunities to give our videos over to other people and sell it on their platform. But again, we lose a bunch of, of our creative ability and also, you know, just kind of selfishly, we, we didn't really like the, the thought of someone else really profiting off of, uh, you know, all the kind of work that we put into something just because uh, they were willing to have a platform to, to hold it on. And so, um, we kind of came about everything this same similar way. We wanted to to put everything out all on our own, and uh, eventually, hopefully, we we do a book, or if we do anything else, then um, we we also want to kind of find ways to to go and and self publish or self do everything ourselves, and and maybe it doesn't grow as as quickly, but um, it's kind of one of the big things that we've always personally believed in was kind of going through and, and making things kind of for ourselves. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot of, um, first of all, that got a lot of respect for what you guys have put together. Cause I'm sure, uh, it was not easy. Like you said, you, you came into this, not knowing necessarily maybe what the best course of action was, and you've kind of had to figure it out all on your own. Um, and that's what a lot of guys realize when, when they're, maybe they put a book together, they self publish it, or they put a video out there, whether it's on coach tube or, or wherever it is. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But you guys have, have spent a lot of time, I'm sure putting this together. I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, even... Yeah. And, and we have two people. I mean, that's the big thing. I couldn't imagine doing it by myself. I, I got really lucky just that me and walls were such great friends. And so he takes some stuff that I'm bad at and and I do some things that he doesn't want to do or, you know, whatever the, the case may be, but uh, I couldn't imagine doing it with just one person. Well, the good news is that I don't necessarily have, I don't have anything on a schedule 
So like if I, you know, like you guys put out a ton of content, you guys, like you said, you have the subscription, you have the, the podcast that you put out a couple every week. Like I don't have anything like that. So it's not necessarily, I'm not necessarily on any kind of deadline, which makes it nice. I can kind of work at my own pace. Um, I would say that, you know, there is, there is this idea, like I said, that you're going to put stuff up there online, whether it's on any platform, I don't care what it is, Amazon, CoachTube, whatever it ends up being, and that it's going to start selling immediately just because a lot of people are on Amazon and CoachTube. And, and you and I both know that's not the case. Um, there's a lot more that goes into it besides that. And that's kind of what um, the end goal of this was, was to help guys who who may not like some people don't want to send out stuff on Twitter every single day, reminding people to buy their stuff. Some people just don't feel comfortable doing that. And that's fine. Uh, I think you got to find out what works for you. Me personally, I don't mind doing that whatsoever. I'm pretty open about that. But again, I think you got to find out what works uh, best for you. But I will say that that's kind of where I think the value add is for the guys that I'm working with is that that's, I take that part of it off their hands. Um, and I feel really good. Like, I, I always tell people who I, who I have any kind of business relationship with, uh, I'm selfish from a long-term perspective. And what I mean by that is I want you to have such a great experience working with me that you never want to work with anybody else. And so the last thing that I'm going to do is, uh, you know, argue over $10 or, you over 1% of something. It's just not worth my time to do because if that's the type of person that you are, all due respect, but I, it's not something that I, I'm not interested in, in having those kind of conversations. If that makes sense. Coach, I, I love it, man. Like I said, it's, it's awesome to just see the, uh, the evolution of, of coaching, you know, and, and, you know, kind of going from uh, an educational background, a teaching background. And now I, I see so many more people getting into, you know, quote the business space, you know, education moves so slow, uh, business moves so fast. Um, and, you know, I, and I sit there and act like I'm an expert at it. I'm, I'm so young in, in the new stuff, but it, it, it gets me fired up because I think there's so many people who, you know, like yourself, like ourselves, you know, all these other guys out there that have kind of this forward thinking mentality all it really does is push things forward. You know, you, you see new companies. I know you kind of put me on Gumroad, you know, being able to see these different avenues you can take for, for publishing books, do it yourself. Don't want to do it yourself. I just feel like anytime there's options, anytime there's thought, anytime there's collaboration and communication, the game moves forward, the business moves forward. Uh, and ultimately at the end of the day, our athletes move forward. I, I just love it, man. To me, it's, it's one of my favorite parts about, uh, what we get to do on, uh, for us kind of a daily or nightly basis. Absolutely. And, and I would just, I, I totally agree with that. And to, and to go back to what we were talking about a second ago, I know you guys kind of joke about me doing this by myself, but I really don't. And what I mean by that is like all, all the guys, I know you and I, uh, talk occasionally, all the guys that, that do a lot of this in this space, like I talk to everybody, I, I'm not competing with anybody. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have an adversarial relationship exactly. with anybody because I learn stuff from them all the time. I mean, I I've, I've learned a ton. I'll tell you what, I've learned a ton of stuff from Kenny Simpson and what he does. I think he does a great job with all the stuff he's got going on. Obviously coach Vass. There's so many guys who, who bring something unique and different to the table that 
they're not doing the same thing I'm doing and I'm not doing the same thing they're doing. I mean, I don't, I, I think it's really short-sighted uh, if somebody were to look at this situation and, and see anybody else as a competitor, I think there's so many cool things being done. Like you said, that there's, there's more than enough room for everybody. Hey, that's exactly right. I couldn't agree any more with you. And, and luckily um, it's something that, that we got to see from day one. And like you said, we've gotten plugged in with some coaches that, that see it the exact same way uh, as, you know, Hey, this is, this is something good for the f- football um, we don't need to compete against each other. People are, are just all in it for football. And um, we got lucky, like I said, to, to know you and some of the same guys you mentioned that uh, we just all kind of help each other out and, and grow the game and, and grow all of this. Um, and, and, you know, something that you talk about a lot of guys not wanting to sell their own stuff or sell themselves. Um, you know, that was something that I think it's, it's not as big of a deal now here three years later, but, three years ago was something that, that we at times caught a lot of flack for, um, you know, and, and there's still guys out there that think it and probably just don't say it, but that are mad when a football coach wants to, you know, for whatever reason, make a few dollars off of the hours and hours and hours that they've spent, you know, putting a cool product together. We've had people angry that we've had certain sponsors before um, and say, they're not going to listen to the podcast anymore uh, because it was, you know, some football program they didn't like that we were, that we had sponsoring. And, and, um, you know, to me, I was like, we're giving you a free podcast once or twice a week. What what are we complaining about right now? But um, it it just, that used to be an even bigger deal. Hey, don't sell your own stuff. Everything should be free. Anything that you do should be free. And luckily it doesn't seem to be as big of a deal, but that is a big hurdle, I think, for a lot of coaches to get over um, and, and to recognize the best way I did, you know, coach walls always told me, Hey, we're put, you're putting in a lot of time right here. Um, you know, it's, you should value your own time. And also, um, for whatever reason, it just is true that other people value things more when, when there is a price to it. I, I think that's accurate as well. A hundred percent. I mean, here's the thing about it. Like you said, it all comes down to valuing your time, right? Um, and, and when it comes to anything that you get into anything that you want to learn more about, um, you know, by the way, when it comes to selling books or videos, I'm going to tell you something, football is on the cheap end of things when it comes to learning about anything, um, (laughs) you know, that I, I personally have spent a couple thousand dollars in the past calendar year, just, um, learning from really, really good, uh, uh, business people, basically, like I will get on the phone, I'll pay somebody a couple hundred dollars an hour to, to talk to them. If I can get if I can get a problem solved, without having to spend a lot of my time, um, you know, trying to figure out the answer, if I can get that answer uh, right away in under an hour, I'll gladly spend some money to do it. Um, so I think it just comes down to a mentality. And I don't think there's anything wrong with if you are a football coach who knows what you're talking about, uh, and you want to make a little bit of money. I, I cannot imagine anybody seriously having a problem with that because here's the thing. We all want to help each other out and we all want to answer questions, but when it gets, when, when you're somebody who has, and I don't even have as many Twitter followers as a lot of these other guys. So I'm not even talking about myself, but if you're a guy who, you know, who, who just maybe has 10, 15, 20,000 followers on Twitter, um, you can't sit there answering everybody's questions all day long for free. 
You just can't do it. There's no way that you can do everything else uh, that you need to do in football, not, not only in football, but just in your daily life. Um, you know, you're, you're helping those guys out by purchasing those things. So again, you want to buy stuff, buy it. You don't want to buy it. Don't buy it. I mean, that's, it's, it's up to you obviously, but I, I think there's such, there's so much to be said for valuing your own time. And, and like, like I said, I am more than happy. Like I would pay a lot of money right now to talk to somebody who could help me get better at whatever it is that I'm doing. It doesn't, I'm not even talking about just football, like I said, business or anything else. Um, so it all comes down to ROI and that's just my mentality. And again, I understand everybody doesn't feel the same way, but that's how I've always felt. And I've never been afraid to spend money on other people if I felt like it was worth it and they could help me solve a problem. Uh, exactly. You know, and to, to continue on the point, I mean, just think of how much money people spend, you know, for master's credits or, you know, educational stuff. And again, I, I get that, you know, some people have to do it for research reasons and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, to get educated, to get the information that, that you want, to get the really good stuff, you're going to have to pay to be able to do those things. It's either going to cost your time or it's going to cost your money. So I'm all in on it, man. I'm having a blast. You know, I, we love partnering with you and, and love the content you're putting out. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the, the collaboration, you know, the, the business learning that we get to learn from you. Uh, as well. It, to me, it's invaluable. So I'm having a blast. Let's keep rolling. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And, and I appreciate that. And I feel the same way. Well, coach, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for the, for spending an hour with us. Is there any, any last few things that, that you want to say? Like I said, I know you got a lot of things out throw deep publishing um, is it, still where they can go to find everything or, or what else, um, what else needs to be said, coach? Uh, that you, you nailed it. Throwdeeppublishing.com. <laughs> I mean, uh, RTP 20 is the promo code. If anybody, uh, if any of your listeners goes on the site, they'll get 20% off their order. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I just enjoy coming on and I, I really appreciate you guys spending the time and having me back on. Cause I always enjoy the conversations. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.